Welcome to Side Hustle. Hello, everyone. This is Eric. And this is Eli. We're chatting about the game design goals we've developed in the course of our research on the main show, Jung-Hoo Hustle. This time we're talking about our project for Hearts of Wulin, the describing fight scenes essay that we are submitting for the book. Yes, it's exciting work, and we've been uh, sort of tossing ideas around for a while, and we've got some words drafted, and we're going to review those and sort of explore it together. Yeah, and I think it's interesting because our thoughts, I think, are going to be the same for both games on like what makes a good fight scene, right? But like how mm-hmm. the differences between the systems will make sure that they play differently, and mm-hmm. so it'll be interesting to see like where we have to put the emphasis for Hearts of Wulin versus where we put it uh, when we put something similar into our game. Yeah, plus this gets to be our poison dragon inside the Hearts of Wulin temple, and eventually we will tear it down brick by brick. Sorry, Lowell. Sorry, Agatha. That's the way it's got to be. Swordplay world's a lonely place. (laughs) (laughs) There's no room for friends, only rivals. All right, so while we're planning this epic duel, uh, why don't we talk about epic duels and let's talk about um, kind of what makes a fight scene and what purpose do they serve? Absolutely. So a fight scene, we took a page from the misdirected Mark folks for this one, especially Phil, the definition panda. And I think a fight scene is at its broadest, a moment of physical violence between two or more characters. But we can get a little more specific there and we can say that that violence could be friendly. It could be, you know, a sparring match or something to train. It could be competitive, maybe in an arena of some kind, or it could be deadly. Uh, Do you think there's much to add to that, Eric? So I think a fight scene is a useful place to start. But, you know, like you were describing with the definition, it's really broad because it can involve a character versus a whole bunch of characters or against sort of one desperate rival going mano a mano. Mm -hmm. But we want to talk about what makes a good scene in all of those, what makes a good, makes it dramatic or interesting or what the purpose of those things are. So let's like, let's talk about that. Like what purposes do they serve? Yeah. um, I think we've been bouncing ideas around about this and fights to us are key to the melodrama of wuxia and really any good action story they are methods of communication and they communicate expressions of character of emotion of narrative of a lot of the things that are key to a good action story right and they can do one of those things they can do sort of a combination of those things right but you don't want them to do none of those things a fight scene that that doesn't demonstrate character emotion or progress the narrative is a fight scene that you want to skip past. Yeah, exactly. And you'll notice, dear listener, that every scene ought to contain expressions of character, emotion, and narrative, even if they're not at all violent or fighty. Those are just good things to have in a story. And fighting in a story is still part of the story, and we want to make sure that it carries the story when it happens right because i think if you have a fight that doesn't have those things in there then in some ways you are sort of glorifying violence in a way you know we've talked about violence as communication but we also have talked about it as being 
sort of problematic, right? That this is mm-hmm. a problematic expression of character, and yeah. that the way to the way to make sure that your story has meaning, and especially in those action scenes, is to make sure that it has actually things going on for the story. Yeah. The only thing I would add to that is that violence, whether or not violence is problematic, doesn't necessarily have to do with how well a violent scene conveys the story that it's trying to tell. I think that, for example, there are valid exercises of violence uh, in pursuit of justice, especially on behalf of marginalized people, um, against oppressive regimes, stuff like that. And I think that has a lot more to do with the legitimacy of violence than, uh, say, like whether or not it really clearly communicates a character's drives or something. But in the context of storytelling, it is really necessary for a fight to carry some of that weight because otherwise, why does it exist in the story? Is it just to show us some flashy moves? That's not enough. Right. We've all sat through movies like that where you just could not care what was going on. And that's not what we want to have. So let's talk about um, the different parts of fights and what makes them interesting from an audience and a participant perspective. For sure. And I think that's a really useful dichotomy here too, because when we're watching a Wuxia film, we are an audience member consuming passively the story that's being presented to us. But when we play a game, we are also the people who are controlling that story. And we need to be thinking from both directions to be able to make really satisfying fight scenes in our games. So I think we have the sort of audience and participant dichotomy. There's another dichotomy here too, especially when we're talking about wuxia films, and that's the visual side and the narrative side. Uh, I think obviously in a wuxia film, fights are some of the most visually stunning things that we're going to see in the movie. The cinematography can be really incredible, but like the heart of a wuxia story, visually, we want to see some people swinging swords and fists and feet at each other. <laughs> I know I do. Yeah, <laughs> me too. Um, and I think what we get from that visual side is that we see moves and maneuvers and tactics that are being displayed. We see a lot of impressive footwork. We see really fast hands. We see all sorts of stuff. Um, we see people trying to gain the upper hand physically, visually communicated to us through the film. So when we talk about sort of the visual display, since we are talking in-game, we're talking about like making our our actual narration very visual, very interesting, and it definitely paints the scene, right? Mm-hmm. So we need to know certain things about what's going on, right? We need to know like why these characters are here, what is the space that they're operating in, right? And what does that say about their characters? This is sort of visual feeding back into into character, right? And then what does the action also demonstrate as it kind of goes back and forth in these moves and maneuvers? Mm-hmm. When we are talking about a game... Different games are going to facilitate the visual side of this in different ways. Really complex, crunchy games that have really robust combat systems are going to have individual maneuvers. You're going to be taking this, you know, move by move, and you're going to see each one of those in detail. And that's useful because when you have a character sheet that's full of 20 some odd physical abilities that you can use in the game, that is your menu. That's how you're going to know, okay, well, it's not just that I'm going to 
attack this person right now. It's that I have a power strike with my sword if I'm in a situation where I'm like pushed up against a, a wall or something like that. And so you can create those narratives based on the rules of the game. But on the flip side, you've got these games with really light rules and a, a combat scene might be no more complex than I have a move that inflicts violence and I'm going to make that move and I'm going to roll to resolve it and that's the end of this fight. Right. I mean, and with the game that we're talking about, Hearts of Ulin, is is one of those kind of games, right? I mean, there's a move and the fight is over, essentially. So if you want to make these very light games, these light mechanically games, feel robust, right? Then you need to put that extra effort in with your uh, scene framing and your description and making sure that that's packed so when that role finally comes then everyone feels satisfied yeah for a more mechanically complex game sometimes the narrative part can drain away you might be able to tell that in retrospect like after the fight is over or as it's progressed a couple of steps you can start to see trends and build a story that way and it's still important to like you know, embed all of these things in there. But while it can give you like the tools that you need to describe it, it can also affect the tempo of the game. And what we see there is exactly this visual versus narrative dichotomy that we're talking about, except it's almost more of a spectrum in that case. You know, you've got the really crunchy games where you get a really good idea of the visuals, but because you're spending so much time and energy dipping into the visuals you start to lose sight of the narrative that took you into that fight. Uh, the more time that you spend on the visuals, the more energy that you spend on the visuals, the less time and energy you have to spend on the narrative. Whereas on the other side of it, the when you focus on the narrative primarily in the rule system, and then you just have these brief dips into fights, you those fights are going to be way more charged and loaded with narrative than the alternative. But we want to try and find ways to make both of those ends of the spectrum sort of work together. And especially in the case of Hearts of Wulin, we want to find a way to bring a little bit more of the visual description into the narrative of what's going on. So like I said earlier, visually fights are moves and maneuvers. Narratively, fights are emotional and narrative beats. And it's best when a fight has both of these, but it's actually the the latter, the narrative beats and emotions that are what makes a fight compelling. Right. So we need to, when we figure out how to describe a fight scene, it's how to put those two things so that they run in parallel. So that when you are visually describing a fight, you are also narratively describing what's going on at the same time. And when we say narrative, what we're talking about here is that... We have seen the story of these characters so far, even if it's the very first fight in the show, we want to get an idea of what this character is like. But let's talk about a climactic duel, for example. We've had the entire movie to see those characters bounce off of each other, to interact with other characters, to get in previous fights that have sort of tested their abilities. And this final climactic duel is reincorporating those previous moments, very similarly to Swords Without Master. And 
the fight is both reincorporating those previous beats, but it's also showing us the connection between the characters, between the story and the character. And those two elements really show us the nature of the conflict that's going on. Seeing both what's happened before and also the connection between the characters is exactly what creates the conflict that demands violence in this situation. And then we put all of that on the top of the slide of the mechanics. And then we just like tip it over the edge, and then we get to see what happens. Wee! <laughs> yeah. So part of this describing good fight scenes, right, I think is just like good play and good sort of narrative construction, right? Because if we talk about these two rivals, since we need to have seen them before and we need to have seen them like struggle and succeed or overcome a bunch of obstacles right so that we know that these two characters come together for a reason then by the time they enter that fight scene there are already stakes built in exactly then we can use our visual skills for describing the fight scene and that should only sort of whet our appetites to see what the result of this is because we've been primed and now we're getting to see the good stuff. We're getting to see the back and forth, the moves and maneuvers and the tactics and the special abilities and all of that kind of stuff. But all of that is in service of getting to the inevitable but predictable outcome of the end of the fight. Exactly. Exactly. And so what we can do now, I think, is is get into a little bit of the text that we've written so far and sort of give a teaser of of what we're thinking about in terms of how to really bring these visuals to life. I have a lot of real life martial arts experience. And the class that I'm teaching right now is a very pragmatic and streamlined and simple self-defense program. But one of the things that I really appreciate about this class is that it has made me understand how essential two things are to a violent moment, and that is tempo and momentum. Tempo is essentially the way we communicated in class is saying that it's now my turn. What we're doing is we are establishing the tempo of the fight, and we are switching that up because what we want is if you control the tempo of a fight, if you decide when something happens in a fight, then you control that fight. And you win in that moment if you are the one who's controlling what's happening. And so when you are in control of the tempo, you are saying, it's my turn and I'm doing something right now. And then momentum is what happens when you hold the tempo for a long time. If tempo is saying, my turn right now, I'm doing something and I succeed, then momentum is saying, my turn, my turn, my turn, over and over and over again, and not giving your opponent a chance to have a turn. These two things are very simplified, obviously, but they're really critical to the strategy of a fight. And I think they're compelling for dramatic visuals in a fight as well. I agree. And I think the part where they break from the actual tenets of actual real-world violence and narrative violence are when when we talk about tempo, right, and we talk about momentum, they're only allowed to go forward a certain direction for so long before we need to we need to invert that and have have the opponent kind of come back, which is clearly not what you want in an actual fight. You want to control the whole thing, right? In a narrative work when you are describing these things, I think 
when I think of tempo, I also think of sort of the speed at which things happen mm-hmm. uh, and the and and who is in control. So when you are describing things and you are playing with tempo and momentum, the longer you hold on to the momentum, the more essentially like energy you are passing to your opponent in the narrative to go like, it's not your turn yet, but it will be soon. It's not your turn yet, but it will be soon. And then by the time you get about to the third time you say that, your opponent goes, okay, now it's my turn. But those moments that you take can be fast or they can be slow. And in a role-playing game, uh, one of the best pieces that of advice that I've ever gotten is uh, that you do the fast things slow and the slow things fast. Mm. Tell me what that means. So what it means generally is that you want to take the things that are fast and exciting and you want to draw them out so that your excitement can last longer, right? And you want to take these slow, boring things and you want to compress them so they don't take as long. So this is why we have the montage. We can compress the the slow, boring thing uh, or you know the potentially boring thing into something that is more interesting. But it's also why we have the slow-mo camera shots that like focus on people's eyes and it goes back and forth as you as you see them ready the maneuver that's that you know is deadly because they've they've been practicing it and you know that they're gonna they're gonna inflict this this horrible wound on their on the opponent when it hits and you really want to draw it out so that when the blow lands or doesn't land then you get sort of the maximum payoff so when we talk about tempo and momentum, so you want to think about who's possessing the action right now, and then you also want to think about how much time you get to spend on it. And if you're just doing like little slow like exchanges, if you're just doing like, well, now we're going to do like a back and forth where our skills are really equal and we're, you know, we're demonstrating something about our characters that way, you can describe a thing that in a movie would take, you know, 10 seconds of just where you where you see an exchange happen and you just do that fast you do that in a couple seconds right and you haven't really given a lot of energy over but then when you do your big maneuver and you take your time you're definitely using up your momentum in the story and you need to make sure that you pass it to the other person yeah so on the one hand you can think about time as a measure of importance the more time you spend on something the more important it should be to the story And on the other hand, you can think about the more time that you spend on something, the more momentum you're giving away. And so what you said earlier about how, you know, in a real fight, you want to control the tempo and the momentum the whole time because you don't ever want to get hurt. You never want to give your opponent the the chance to do something about it in a wuxia fight. It's really important to get that back and forth because it adds to the drama when you're up and then all of a sudden you're down and then, oh, you're fighting your way back up again. Those are really exciting moments. And similarly, we can use time and attention as our gauge for when we need to pass the stick back, so to speak. When we are zooming in on a really big move, we've had our flurry of blows, we've been going back and forth. Uh, things have been sort of going our way for a little while, and then we charge up, we zoom in, we see all the effort that's going into this one strike, and we roll to resolve it, or whatever happens. After that one big strike, 
that's a narrative cue for the other person to start building some momentum. If it was successful, the person flies backward, they redouble their commitment to the fight, and they dive back in. If it wasn't a successful blow, then that's their moment to jump on top and really uh, seize the moment and, and, and take the momentum back into their control. And so I think it's it's useful to have a perspective on the whole scene as you're describing we're we're doing so many things when we when we do this uh because we are we are keeping a sense of our audience's attention right and we are keeping a sense of our the person that we're playing with we want to be generous to them right and we also want to keep the storyline in in mind when we are when we are doing these things so that we can use those details to add texture and color to our description and to make sure that yes it's a sword blow but it's this sword blow that that my opponent taught me several scenes ago when he didn't know who i was yeah so while we're doing this it's easy to get sort of locked into the moment get locked sort of behind the eyes of your character but it's really important to like step outside of yourself and get a perspective on the whole scene and where things are and what in the scene is informing what's going on with the characters that are are fighting. Yeah, I want to put some terminology to these ideas that we're putting out here, right? So you're talking about, on the one hand, being able to see clearly the important physical moments of the fight. We want to be able to see when the person is really throwing their all into a move. We want to see when it's an, an important thing that they've trained hard to be able to do. And we want to see what that looks like, whether it's a thousand blows in a single second or whether it's, you know, like summoning their body's uh, inner strength and just like putting everything into this one blow. We want to see the perspective of that. And I think that's the term perspective here. We want the perspective mm -hmm. of the physical movements of the fight Contrast that with needing to see the context of the narrative at work in the fight. I think what we can call that is communication. So on the one hand, we have perspective, which is a clear view of the physical movements of the fight. And then communication is going to show us the narrative connection between those physical movements and the story that's happened so far. Sure. So like what I was saying... I'm using this particular sword technique. The perspective is me using the sword technique, right? But the communication that the audience knows is that that was the maneuver that my rival taught me earlier in the story. Exactly, yeah. And that's emotionally resonant for whatever the reason of the rivalry is. Yeah, like if you have a good grasp of perspective uh, narration in a fight, we can say, oh yeah, this secret sword technique is... You can cut a calligraphy brush in half. You can like cut all of the library scrolls apart in a single second. And you're flying over the walls and you're slashing and blah, blah, blah. But only the communication side of that will show us that you learned that as a result of being orphaned as a child by the King of Chin. And you're now hellbent on a 10 or 20 year path of revenge against him. And, and you've taught yourself this skill over, over years of study to be able to do this one thing. Yeah, I think that makes it really clear. I think the perspective and communication, you know, maps onto what we were talking about earlier with our sort of visual versus narrative, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and then you, you run that on the track of tempo and momentum. You know, you run it sort of back and forth between the participants 
so that you can you can see all that stuff. Absolutely. I think if we're talking about the foundation of a fight, it's going to be different in every system, but I think for Hearts of Wulin, the foundation of a fight is the drama that's going on that supports the fight. And so communication in that sense is probably the foundation here. We want to see clearly the narrative that's happening in this fight. And then on top of that, we've got perspective. We want clear visuals of what's going on in the physical moments of the fight. And the way we get that perspective is by understanding the tempo of the fight, who is acting right now and how are they acting and what are they doing to control this moment. And then also we want the momentum of the fight, which is how many moments have they controlled? How many moments can they still afford narratively to control before they must give it up, have a change in circumstances, and we can see their opponent uh, having a rise in circumstances of their own. Yeah, I mean, perfect. So now that we've talked about the broad strokes, about like just sort of fight scenes in general, I think all of that applies to whatever system you're playing in. Let's talk specifically about Wuxia fight scenes and what particular things in there make them different or like at least need to be emphasized when we do a fight scene. So, I mean, you know, the most apparent thing in a Wuxia fight, especially a Wuxia film, is all of the fantastic martial skills that they're bringing to bear. Light body skill, nerve strikes, what have you. I think those are all really important and emblematic. Uh, Would you agree? Oh, for sure. I mean, I think without that, it, it's just a fight scene, right? Like it's just a punch em up or whatever. But those things also demonstrate something about the characters. But it's important to learn the language of the style that you are working in, right? So when we talk about wuxia and we talk about sort of light body technique or internal martial arts or lightness skills or what or or whatever it might be, getting just a little bit of language behind you to help you describe those things i think will help you like be more comfortable even just being a little more primed yeah so what we want is the ability to describe what happens in a fight scene and when we are visually describing something we need to have terminology to draw from and one of the best things we can do for that is genre consumption watching films, uh, watching clips, reading books, reading articles, whatever, about the genre that you want to tell your story in. So for example, wuxia. For me, it's always really distinctive when somebody does the light body skill. Their feet, I would describe as really feathery because the wire foo isn't allowing them to get solid contact on whatever surface they're running over. And so they're just kind of, you know, feathering over whatever surface they're on. And you don't need to know a lot of them, right? Like you can know, oh, the sort of light body when they jump off the walls and they do that sort of thing. Or if you are talking about a different genre, like a like a John Wick style shoot 'em up, you can learn a couple of the maneuvers that maybe John does in the movie, you know, where he he fires the gun in rhythm or he does a throw or something into another guy and then shoots someone else. And you, you can kind of learn the rhythm of the fight. And as long as you can kind of anchor that to what we talked about before, even if you don't have all the words, if you can think about it visually and sort of work your way through it that way, I think this is what makes it. You don't necessarily need all of this package that we're giving to you to make like a good fight scene. But I think a great fight scene has all of these things plus 
a little bit of being genre literate. So an example for me, I, I am roughly familiar with professional wrestling, but I really don't know that much about it. I have heard the term pile driver, and I think I know what that is. But if I don't feel confident about the term, I can still say, okay, we're in the ring. He comes at me. I lift him up. His legs are straight up in the air. And then I just drop him right onto his head in the middle of the ring. Uh, I don't need to be able to say the term pile driver. As long as I can picture it in my head, and as long as I can describe what I'm picturing in my head, I will communicate what the visual of that moment is. Right. And as long as you are controlling your tempo and your momentum, you can get by with less of the language of the genre, which I think is kind of what we want to encourage. But I think adding that extra layer is always nice. The back and forth is the really dramatic part. The The visuals, the actual description of what's right. happening is cool, but the back and forth is where the excitement comes from in a fight. So we've talked about the elements of violence in wuxia. We've talked about tempo, momentum, perspective, communication. We've talked about the need to balance visuals and narrative. We've talked about some specific things you can do to learn a little bit about the genre that you're playing in, whether that's wuxia or something completely different. We have some specific ideas that we're going to put into this about how to make that happen within the context of Hearts of Wuling, using the rule system to help you describe fights visually. But of course, we wouldn't want to spoil all of our secrets right now. But remember to always make your kung fu stronger. Thanks for listening. You can reach Eli at ZapDynamic on Twitter or at his website, mythicgazetteer.com. And you can reach me at Eric M. Farmer on Twitter or at my website, dogpoweredvehicle.com. Or you can reach both of us at Hustle on Twitter, jianghuhustle at gmail.com for email, and on the Misdirected Mark website. This show is a proud member of the Mr. Mark Network.